All right. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. We better try that again. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here today. So glad that you came to worship with us this morning. If you're a guest this morning, we are especially glad that you're here. And if you wouldn't mind, there's a communication card in the seat back in front of you. If you'd take that, fill that out, and drop it in one of the wooden boxes uh, on your way out today that are on the back walls, we would love to get to know you just a little bit better. Also on that communication card is a QR code, and you can scan that QR code, and you can learn about all the different ministries of the church, the different things that are going on. And while I'm there, uh, this week is going to be a busy week if you have kids or teenagers. Uh, So you can go online, you can look, look at your Remind if you're connected with them on Remind. Uh, I'm not going to go into everything because we've got a couple different day camps for our young kids. We've got several different activities for our youth. Building up to camp, they all leave for camp uh, the end of this week. So uh, go online, look at those events if you have kids or youth from young to older teenagers There's events going on this week. All right, if you would, get your Bibles out. Turn to Matthew chapter 24, and then be ready in a moment. We're going to jump over to 1 John chapter 2. Matthew 24, and then 1 John chapter 2. We've been in a series of messages over the last couple weeks entitled, The Final Countdown, Living with Confidence in the Last Days. The title of today's message is Ready and Waiting. In week one, we looked at the next big event on God's prophetic calendar, which is the rapture of the church that we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the event where Jesus comes and he snatches the church up out of this world. He gathers the church up to meet him in the air. It's not to be confused with the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is when Christ comes at the end of the tribulation period and he sets up his kingdom on this earth for the thousand year reign. Two different events that we have looked at so far. Now last week we were in Matthew chapter 24, in the beginning of Matthew 24, and we're going to kind of pick up, we're going to skip over a few verses, I'll hit on them a little bit, but we're going to continue on in Matthew 24. But if you'll remember last week, if you were here, if not, uh, this is just a little update, but Jesus was answering a question the disciples asked. They asked Jesus, What are the signs of your coming and the end of the age? They wanted to know what will the last days look like? How will we know when you are coming again? And Jesus took the time to give them an answer. And there is a reason that he did that. You see, he does not want them to be caught off guard when he comes again. And the same is true for us. He wants us to know the signs around us, the time period that we are living in, so that we can be aware, so that we can be ready, and we can be watching for his return. Last week we looked at the answers that Jesus gave, the signs that he gave, and he said, these are the signs leading up to my coming. There will be uh, many that will come claiming to be Christ. Many that will show up in the world that say, I'm the Savior, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. And we see that in our world, and we have seen that for a while. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be an increase in natural disasters and famines. There will be increased hatred and persecution of the followers of Christ. The love of people will grow cold towards one another, and the gospel message will be spread all around the world. 
All of these signs that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24 continue to increase in our day, and they will continue to increase as it gets closer and closer to the return of Christ, and then there will be a climax of these events during that great tribulation period that we read about in the book of Revelation. So what Jesus said is going to happen is happening. Uh, some of the things we watch, they're happening right before us. It's like, we have to be living in the last days. Again, the title of today's message, Ready and Waiting. And ready and waiting means that we are prepared and we are eagerly watching, eagerly waiting for the return of Christ. So I ask a question this morning. Are you ready? And are you eagerly waiting the return of Christ? I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's still true today. It's only been a couple of weeks. But when I walk out in the morning, I did it this morning after that nice rain last night. It was just so beautiful outside this morning. And I looked up at the sky, and I said, is today the day that our Lord is going to return? Is today the day that the rapture of the church could happen? And the answer to that is it could very well happen today. It could happen tomorrow, and it may not happen for a thousand years. I'll be surprised if we're all still around a thousand years from now talking about the rapture. I'm very surprised in many ways. But we know that the time is short, that the season is here. And even though we don't know when, we can trust His promise that He is coming again. Now, when we think about ready and waiting, I kind of picture it as being ready to go on a trip. Now, I don't know how it is in your household when y'all get ready to go on a trip. I hope it's not like mine. Because what happens in my house, I, this will surprise some of you, but I am a very impatient person when it's time to go. I, when it's time to go, it's time to go, right? Uh, we're ready, we're going, so we'll get up, we know that we're leaving, I'll go up and I'll get the car all ready and car's ready. And Now, my wife is a very detailed person. And so she's making sure all the details are covered. She's got her backpack, make sure everything at the house is taken care of. So if we're going to be gone for a few days that we don't have to worry about it, she's taking care of it. And the whole time I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And once she gets everything ready to go, then she'll look at me and she'll say, you got your bags packed? Well, that's my cue to start packing my bags. And so I go in there and I get a bag out and I'll start throwing everything into the bag. And guess what happens? I always forget something, right? Because I'm rushing at the last minute. I'm like, oh, the time is ready. And now she's waiting on me patiently. She is a patient person while I was not waiting patiently. But when we think about the return of Christ and being ready to go, it's like getting ready for a trip, getting ready to go somewhere. And we need to be prepared and ready. We need to have everything in order so that when that time comes, we're not rushing around, which by the way, you won't be because when the rapture happens, it'll catch people by surprise. But we want to make sure everything is in order and everything is ready. So that's what we're going to take a look at today, to be ready and to be waiting, to be ready to go. Again, Matthew chapter 24 is where we're going to start. We're going to begin in verse uh, 36 today and... Then we will jump over to 1 John chapter 2. So Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. He says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Now, 
Just a reminder, last week we were in the first 14 uh, verses of this chapter and we saw the events that I just mentioned and he lays them all out. And then after that he begins to talk about the Antichrist that's going to come into the world. And this Antichrist that is going to come is not one of the Antichrists, the many Antichrists, but he is the Antichrist known as the evil one. The one that will be here during the tribulation time that will deceive many people. So he talks about him. And then he gets down and he says, no one knows the time or the hour except for the Father knows. And then he goes on in verse 37 and he says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you two must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming... He would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. When is the Son of Man going to come? When is Christ going to return? When people least expect it. So if you're taking notes today, that's the first point. The Son of Man, Christ will return when the world does not expect it. Now, I get excited when I hear people talking about, oh, Christ isn't going to come back for a long time. It's kind of a weird thing to get excited about. But I go back to this first. When the world least expects it. When the world is not looking for it. When the world is going about their own way, doing their own thing, living their own lives, then you need to be ready because Christ is coming again. Now, again, we hit on this a couple of weeks ago, but it's important for us to visit this fact again. That we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the time, but we can know the season. And that's what Christ pointed out at the first part of this chapter, that you can know the season. Look at the things that are going on around you. Look at the times that we are living in. Look at the news and everything that's going on. Watch what is happening over at Israel. Watch what's happening all around Israel because when the tribulation time comes, that's going to be the center. That's going to be the focal point. And we see a world around us that is building up to that day. Now he says it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. Now we can look at Noah's days and we can see a lot of things that were going on. But here's what I want you to understand. In the days of Noah, it was a time when people had turned from righteousness... And they had embraced widespread immorality. The people were wicked and corrupt. And that day there was a breakdown in moral boundaries and a breakdown in relationships. As a matter of fact, there was many improper relationships that were going on. There was violence. There was corruption. There was moral decay. Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was the days of Noah. Jesus says in Matthew 24 that the people were enjoying banquets. They were enjoying parties. They were enjoying weddings right up to the time that Noah entered the ark. Now, at first glance, you look at that and go, well, that's not a bad thing. 
We, we have banquets, we have parties, we go to weddings, we enjoy all those events. That is not what is bad in and of itself. But what the problem was were the people were just living for themselves. They were living for the moment. They were living for the joys of the day. They were finding joy in the things of this world. They were finding joy in the sins of this world. They were finding joy in everything except for God. They had turned from righteousness and were living unrighteous. They had no desire to be in a relationship with God. They were more interested in living lives for themselves and not for God. They certainly didn't care about what God's Word said. They certainly didn't care about how God wanted them to live their life. They were living for themselves. Does that sound anything like our world today? I mean, you look around us. And that's exactly the way that our world is. And unfortunately, sometimes even in the church, you find that kind of living that we live for our own desires. We want our own ways. We want our own things. And sometimes we're not even concerned about what God wants for us. We can look back at the story of Noah and we can see the consequences of unrighteousness. And we can see the consequences of refusal uh, of repentance And Jesus says, look at that day. Look at that day as an example. You want to know what the day is going to be like when the Son of Man returns? Look at what it was like in the day of Noah. And that's what the day will be like of my return. And in the days of Noah, they weren't expecting it. They certainly weren't expecting the flood to come. Noah's out there building this big old boat, and they're like, why? What are you going to do with that thing? And then when the flood came and the door was shut, Then they knew there was a problem. Then they knew that, uh uh-oh, we've messed up. But then it was too late. And so it will be in the day when Christ comes again. The second thing that I want you to notice through this is we are to be ready and waiting. Look back at, at verse 42. He says, so you must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You must keep watch. To keep watch means to be waiting, to be watchful, to have hope of his return. It gives us an image, if you would, of someone that has their bags packed, ready to go every day. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop living life, that we stop doing the things that are necessary to do every day. It means that we continue on doing those things, but we do those things with a great expectation that Christ is coming again. Now, it's easy for us to sit here in church and we talk about it, we get excited about Christ coming again, but sometimes we get busy in our world and it's something that we're not thinking of. But when our bags are packed and we see our bags sitting by the door, what do we know? That reminds us that there's a trip that's coming, right? That there's something that's getting ready to happen. And that's kind of the image that I get here is that we've got our bags packed. We see those bags. We get up in the morning, we realize that today could be the day that the Lord is coming. And we live our life in such a way that we are expecting his return. I wonder today if we really expected Christ to come back today, would it change the way we live today? If we knew, for example, that Christ were coming tonight, would you do things differently this afternoon than what maybe is already planned? Would you do things differently as you go through life each day? If you were truly expecting, Christ could come back at any moment. Notice what he goes on to say. He talks about 
if a person knew that their house was getting broken into, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, they would be watching. They would make preparations so that their house would not get destroyed or broken into. And he gives us that picture that that's the kind of waiting we need to be in. We need to be ready and waiting for the return of Christ, watching for his return. That means we don't live with fear about his return or anxiety about his turn return, but we live with excitement and joy, knowing that soon and very soon we're going to see our king. Soon he is coming again. Soon we will see him in all of his glory. Are you ready and waiting on the return of Christ today? And what does a life look like that is ready and waiting on him? Turn with me, if you would, over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, John is writing and he gives us some instructions on here's how you need to live your life in these last days. Here's how to live your life as you are watching, waiting, ready for the return of Christ. So look with me if you would, 1 John chapter 2 beginning in verse 15. He says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know all who do what is right are God's children. So John is writing and he says, hey, we're at the end of the age. This, the end is here. So you need to be living in such a way that pleases God. Living in a way that pleases him. Now again, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago that uh, as John's talking about this, he thought that the time was short. And the time is short. But if John thought the time is short, 
for him and the people of his day, how much shorter is it for us in our day? So we are much closer to the return of Christ than anyone else has ever been in history. Right? Right? Some of you are thinking about that. Well, wait, how do you know that? Think about it. We are much closer than anyone else. Again, we don't know how close we are, but we know that the time is near when Christ returns. And so John gives some direction here that I want to point out real quick. First of all, he says in the first few verses that we read, do not love the world or the things the world offers. The phrase do not love the world simply means do not get too attached or be customed with the worldly and material aspects of life. Do not make worldly values and worldly desires your God. Again, Jesus said, look at the days of Noah. The people in the days of Noah were living the world lifestyle. They were enjoying everything that this world had to offer, the sins of the world, everything. And that was their God. That's what they were concerned about, living each and every day. Now, I want you to keep in mind that this doesn't mean that we don't enjoy life and we don't enjoy the things that God has provided us to enjoy in this world. God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to enjoy the beauty of His creation that is around us. God wants us to enjoy and have fun in the world. Some people look think, well, as Christians, we're not to even have fun in this world. That's not what He's talking about. What He is talking about is don't make those things your God. Don't make those things such a high priority in your life that that's all that you're living for. Don't live for the things of this world, but live for the things of God. Why? Because the things of this world are temporary. The things of this world are not going to last. But the things of God will last forever and ever. And those are the things that we should enjoy. Those are the things that we should wrap our life around. And I believe this, that for Christians who wrap their things around the things of God... And his righteousness and everything that he has to offer are the happiest people in the world, or should be, right? So if you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it, (laughs) right? We ought to be the happiest people in the world, the most joyful people in the world. Everywhere we go, people ought to be looking at us going, what is wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I've got the joy of the Lord in me, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And this world is going to hell around us, but I am living for a king, and there's something so much better to come. And I don't have to worry, and I don't have to live in fear, and I don't have to sit back and say, man, what are we going to do today? Have you seen the way the world is going around? How are we going to live today? I'm going to live for a king who is much greater than anything that ever happens in this world. And he made a promise. That I'm going away and I'm preparing something much better for you. And if I go to prepare something better for you, then I'm coming again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. That's the king that I serve. But the kings of this world, they're going to let you down. The things of this world, you can wrap your life all around them. And one day you're going to be disappointed. But the things of God, you'll never be disappointed in. So, do not love the things of this world or the things that's offered. Then notice next, he, to, be, to remain in the faith. He says, dear children, last hour, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. You already know that these many Antichrists have come. Now, when he says the Antichrist is coming, he is talking about the Antichrist 
that is coming again during the tribulation time. But when he says that many antichrists have already come, he's talking about those that are anti-Christ. So there's an antichrist, all one, but then anti-Christ. People that are against Christ. They're against him. And he says, hey, these folks were in the church. These folks were with us. You know what he's saying? These folks came and they, they participated in our family activities. They looked like they were a part of the family. They acted like they were a part of the family. But now they've gone out away from us because they were never truly a part of the family. Make sure that you're in the faith. Make sure that you are part of God's family. Make sure that you know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how you're part of God's family. So these people were coming in. They were playing a game. They were doing whatever. Maybe they were seeking and they were looking at this Christ. And, but they just weren't impressed enough. And it says now they've gone out and now they are teaching things. Remember last week we saw that there's going to be many false prophets. There's going to be many who begin to teach things that aren't right and what's true. And that's what John is talking about. These that were in with us, now they're teaching other things. Now they're saying other things. These are antichrists that have gone out from us. They are no longer for Christ because they never were with Christ. They didn't know him to begin with. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. And I believe this, one day there's going to be many people that are disappointed. Matter of fact, Scripture says that there's going to be many that day will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, look at what all we have done in your name. We did this, we prophesied, we healed people, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Some of the worst words, or the worst words, people will ever hear. What was the deal? What was the problem? They were close enough to see what was going on. They were close enough to look like they were part of the family. But they weren't part of the family because they didn't know Christ personally. Let me remind you today, we remind you this all the time. You may get sick of hearing it. But the greatest and most important decision you can ever make in your life is placing your hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Not in a church. Not in religion. Not in all the activities that go on around us in the church. Not all the good works of the church, but in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. That is where salvation comes from. Salvation comes in no other way. How does this happen? Well, listen to the words found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and verses 8 and 9. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. The Spirit now working in the disobedient. And so he's saying, before you came to know Christ, this is how you were. This is how you lived. You lived with the one in the world, with the ruler in the power of the air, which is Satan. But then he goes on and he says, but you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. Because of sin, we have been separated from God, and we are spiritually dead, and on our own, there is no hope. But thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God that when He looked down at us and He saw us separated from Him, He didn't push us away and say, your sin is too great, your sin has caused too many problems, I don't want anything to do with you. What He did was He said, I'm going to give you hope, and His name is Jesus. 
And he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us so that all that would place their faith and trust in him and in him alone would find salvation through him. Not by works, not by anything that we do on our own, but through faith in him. So then we make sure that we know him. We make sure that we know that we're in the faith. And and then he goes on and he says to stay in the word. Look at verse 24. He says, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Remember what you've been taught. Remember what you know. Remain faithful to the Word of God. He is talking about staying in contact with God through His Word. Have value in God's Word. Understand the importance of God's Word in your life. Appreciate God's Word in your life. And I wonder today, how much we truly value God's Word in our life? How much do we truly value what His Word has to say? You see, the things that we value in life are the things that we will spend time with, right? The things that we value in life are the things that will hold close to us, that we will hold close to our heart. And so when it comes to valuing the Word of God, how much value does it have? How much do we truly hold on to the Word of God and say, this is important in my life? How many times have we heard something that someone has said about God's Word and we're sitting there and we know that that's not right? We know that that's not true because we know God's Word. I hear people all the time saying, I I just don't know God's Word very well. Well, why? Because I'm not spending time with it. I'm not spending time in it. I'm not holding it as value to my heart. And again, sometimes I understand we get busy in life and we're going through life and you know we may put it into our schedule, but God's Word doesn't just need to be a part of our schedule. It needs to be something that we cherish, something that we hold on to, something that we look to and that we understand. So we need to stay in the Word. He said, if you want to be ready, you want to be prepared, stay in the Word. And here's what happens when we stay in God's Word. Then again, when we see things in this world going on, we understand what is happening. We understand that all this is building up to a grand event. All this is building up to the end that we've been talking about. But if we are separated from God's Word, if it's not an important part of our life, then we will get uh, discouraged and we will have fear of the things that are going on in this world because we're just not connected in a way that we understand. And then we, after we stay connected to the Word, then we need to let the Spirit of God guide us. Let the Spirit of God guide us. Look at verse 27. In verse 27... Well, I'm going to jump back to verse 26. He says, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Remember, he's talking about these antichrists that have left the church. And they're trying to lead the church astray. They're trying to get them to believe things that aren't right and aren't there. But he says, you have received the Holy Spirit. And he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So he's saying, stay connected to the Spirit and let the Spirit guide you because he will teach you what is true. He will let you know when something is not right, when something is a lie. He will let you know. 
that little small voice inside of us? Maybe you have heard something at some point and you were just like, nope, that is not of God. Maybe you have seen something and you have just known. The Spirit of God inside of us will guide us and will help us to know what is truth, what is not truth. And the Spirit of God inside of us will not lie to us. And by the way, the Spirit of God will not show us something or teach us something that does not line up with the written Word of God. And if anybody tells you differently, they're not hearing from the Spirit of God. I hear people that say, well, God told me this. And it's like, really? Well, that goes totally against what Scripture says. So whatever spirit you're listening to is not the Spirit of God, and you need to quit listening to that Spirit. And so we need to know His Word, but then we let the Spirit of God lead us. By the way, when we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. And the Spirit of God will guide us, but we need to stay connected to the Spirit. And that means that we don't grieve the Spirit in our life. If the Spirit leads us in a direction, we go in that direction. If the Spirit is telling us something that we need to do, we need to do it. If He's telling us something we need to say, we need to say, but no for sure that it is the Spirit of God that is leading you. And that way when the false Antichrist or when the Antichrist and the false teachers of this world appear, you will know what is true and you will know what is a lie. And then the last thing is this, remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Now I'm not talking about losing your salvation, walking away from, I'm not talking about that, but it's remaining in Christ every day. What this means is that we live our lives pleasing to the Lord. We live our lives in a way that would be pleasing to Him. And He goes on to say, so that when He returns, you won't be found in shame. You won't be shameful when He returns. What will you be doing when Christ comes again? Will you be doing the things that He has asked you to do? The things that He is leading you to do? Or will you be doing things that are pleasing you and not pleasing to him what will you do what will you be doing when Christ comes again stay connected to him which by the way this is easy to do when we are in his word when we are being led by the spirit this will just come naturally to us but if we are not doing those other things if we are loving the world too much, if we're not doing all these other things that I've just mentioned, then it'll be harder to stay connected to Him. And He gives us a picture of one day when Christ returns of really kind of being embarrassed. But here's what I believe, what I know. When Christ comes again, He's going to find His church, His bride, still an imperfect people. And we can try to be as righteous as we want to be. But our true righteousness comes only through Christ and His righteousness that flows through us. And if we're not connected to Him the way that we should be, then that righteousness won't be where it should be. And I can tell you this, just being honest with you today, there's days that I look at myself and go, dude, you are still so messed up. But aren't you grateful that we have a God that loves us right where we are? That forgives us every day of all of our failures and our mistakes. And I believe this. When we are living for Him, even though we are imperfect people who blow it on a daily basis, 
when we're looking and we're longing to see him, we won't see him and be ashamed. But we will fall down at his feet because of his righteousness that allows us the privilege to be with him. What a beautiful day that is going to be. Are you ready? Are you eagerly expecting his return? Are you looking up saying today very well could be the day that the Lord returns? I've said this and I'll continue to say it. We need to live today like today's the day. But we need to continue to build the church like he's not coming for another thousand years. We need to do what he has called us to do, which is to go into all of the world and make disciples. Go and tell people. When was the last time you told someone that Jesus is coming again? Challenge you to do that this week. Find somebody that you know is just out there and they wouldn't believe it. Watch the look on their face. Jesus is coming again. Brings up some good conversation. But Jesus is coming again. And hopefully you're ready and you're waiting for him. Let's pray together. As you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, I want you to think about his return. And if Christ were to come today, are you ready? Are you ready to see him? Have you made that decision in your life to follow him? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Today, if you haven't done that, just right where you're at, you can open up your heart to him and allow him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Repent of your sins and turn to him. And he will make a difference in your life. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the hope that we have through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, today we do pray that he would come and come quickly. God, I pray for each person in this place today. God, I, I pray that your word would just speak to our hearts. God, you would show us what you would have us to see through this message today. God, your word would shine light on our lives. And God, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray right now that your spirit would just draw them unto you and that today they would say yes. That today would be the day that they turn from their old way of living and they turn to you. God, I pray for every believer in this place today, whether they've been a Christian for a short time or a long time, that God, they would look up to you. God, we would be ready. We would be eagerly waiting for your return. God, we love you today and we thank you for your wonderful love for us and that you have provided a way of salvation for us through your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.